You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat Podcast, where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Let him throw, let him throw. Chapman's warming up for the ninth. Let him throw. And I'm on, and I'm on. Hello, and welcome to Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm sure as many of you know by now, with the special episodes, I always like to give a little context in the intro. Uh, When we first started Break a Bat in early 2019, it wasn't long after that year's holiday outing to Broadway with the whole family, something we try to do once a year to kick off the Christmas season. And I'll never forget that night for a lot of reasons. Um, While I'm probably the biggest Broadway fan in the Malafronte crew, we're all huge Disney fans. But I think when you're going to see a show like Frozen as a guy in your late 20s, you're not necessarily sure what you're going to what to expect. Um, I went to the St. James Theater that night, one of my favorite stadiums here on Broadway. And man, it was absolutely a night to remember. It's almost like going to one of those special Yankee playoff games that stays with you. And that was very much a testament to our special hitter tonight. who was playing the role of Anna, a brilliant comedic wit, a real power bat in the singing department. And I really thought the way she was able to take what was an animated character and bring it to life on stage was up there with anything I've seen from Disney on Broadway. Fast forward a few nights after that, I remember talking about it with Katzman, and he told me, you know, that was Patty Mirren. You talk about how much you love Xanadu on Broadway, even back when we were at Manhattan High School. That show was actually her Broadway debut about 10 years prior. And I remember at the time we were still developing Break a Bat. We kind of joked, like, how cool it would be one if one day we're talking baseball and Broadway with Patty Mirren. She's a New York girl, maybe she's even a Yankee fan, so on and so forth. Really a pipe dream, if anything. But here we are about two and a half years later, and that day has finally arrived. And wow, you talk about someone I admire both as an actress and a voice of inspiration in the industries. I've gotten to know her story and her work. I can't think of too many other people on that level. Uh, For the folks at home, I mentioned she made her Broadway debut in Xanadu back in 07 and then originated the title role of Liz Estrada Jones in 2011. She also starred as Glinda in the first national tour of Wicked, and she's also done quite a bit of work on screen, including a recurring role on Chicago Med. And for all our Hallmarkies in the audience, she also starred in the film Love on Iceland alongside her husband, Colin Donnell. Her performances on it and Frozen earned her both Drama League and Outer Critics Circle Award nominations, and it certainly cemented her as a real household name here on Broadway. We're so grateful she could join us tonight. So with that being said, I ask you all to please turn your attention to Home Plate. Just beyond the marquee, now batting, Patty Murin. Patty, welcome. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. Whenever I feel like I'm never going to work again, I'm just going to listen to that intro and be like, you know what? I have done really cool things in my life. (laughs) (laughs) That was so nice. (laughs) Oh, this is like a bucket list moment for the podcast. I'm so happy you could be here. Oh, my gosh. I'm so more than delighted to be here. This is this is very exciting. Well, thank you, Patty. And as I was telling you a few weeks ago, there's nothing I love more than welcoming folks from the Broadway world who I'm not only a fan of, but are native New Yorkers, proud New Yorkers, and also huge Yankee fans. This is so epic. Born in, I was born and raised a theater fan, a Disney fan, and a Yankee fan. Born and raised. Like I say, I was like I was born with pinstripes in my blood. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Big Don Mattingly girl, I'm guessing. Was that your yeah. guy? Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, it was sort of, we just, we, we went to, cause I grew up about an hour North of the city. And so we would go to one, two, three games a year. My grandmother was a huge Yankee fan. So she was the one that really kind of facilitated everybody going. And I remember when I was like seven years old, she had like entered all of us in a contest, like a raffle and I won. And it, the prize was 20 tickets to a Yankee game. <laughs> I still 20. remember that. 20. Yes. <laughs> I know. I know. And so it was, it was, it's just, it's like one of those things that just like Disney and, and theater has just always been part of my life. Now you're a lot smarter than I am because you have a code of ethics when it comes to following this team over the last decade of disappointment. You know, Patty, we're about a month away from the All-Star break. Are you sure you're ready for the agita this team might give you in the second half when you really start to get into the games? 
You know, I, I do. I, I have just sort of learned, you're right, in the last t- eight to 10 years or so, that there's no point in paying attention before the All-Star Game. Because if they start the season really well, they're going to mess it up by the end. And I'm like, I just can't, I can't take the initial excitement when everyone's like, they're doing really well. And I'm like, it's, it's not July yet. So I was like, why, you know, why, why should I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna really like throw all of my dedication to that second half of the season and see, you know, how, and just really hope that they, they're just the best at turning things around. You know what I mean? They always have been, they're always the, they've always been great at coming in, you know, just at the very last second it's it's been it's been a it's been a rough a rough ride. <laughs> I I agree, but especially like when I was growing up, which I kind of coincided with your Broadway debut, like the mid two thousands, like oh five oh seven. I remember mm-hmm. they had really rough starts, and then they would just go bananas in the second half. And it was like usually the city, you know, can be kind of dead in the summer. They can electrify the city in August like no one else can. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I and I remember that when I did do Xanadu, actually, um, one of the other women, in, you know, in the show that I and in my dressing room, Anika Larson, who is still a, just a dear friend of both mine and Collins to this very day, she was a Red Sox fan, and she she's a she's a Red Sox fan. Like I couldn't even talk about anything baseball. Like I was terrified of her <laughs> because. <laughs> Like, I just, I, I, and I was, and now, I mean, I love her so much. Like, it's just, but I remember the day that she actually got to, she called out of the show because she um, was going to sing the national anthem at a Red Sox game. And that was very exciting. It was very exciting for her. And and I was like, oh, right. That's what, that's the kind of stuff that you can do when you're like on Broadway. And in April of 2018, right after Frozen opened, I got to sing the national anthem at, at a Yankee game. And it was, uh, I was actually supposed to sing... I think um, I was supposed to sing America the Beautiful on opening day. Kelly O'Hara was singing the national anthem and, but it was, it was a rain delay and it was a show night. And so I had, I couldn't do it. It was, I was so sad, but I did, I got to sing the national anthem at Yankee stadium. And it was like, just a dream, like true dream come true. Do you geek out in that moment? Like, do you, are you running up to the players introducing yourself? Are they coming up to you and introducing themselves? They're, you know, they're like, it's, it's kind of like this with all athletes because I've, I've sung at a Giants game. I've sung at a Knicks game and they're like kind of in, they're in show mode, you know, they're in game mode. They're like, but a lot of them, you know, as they wander by, they'll be like, hey, great job, you know, or like, it's, it's, it's very, it's very exciting because you're standing right there and you're like, and honestly, I, I've never gotten nervous for something like that because it's too big of a moment to even take in. Like, it's just, it's, it's just huge. It's huge. And you're just like, am I doing this right now? And everyone's like, aren't you afraid you're going to forget the words? And I'm like, no, I'm actually, I'm not, I'm truly not because it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's almost too exciting to like, to, to even think about it going poorly, you know? Now, you mentioned, uh, you know, sharing a dressing room with uh, Miss Larson, who's a Red Sox fan. I'm curious <laughs> about this. Just given the era of Yankee fandom that you grew up in, um, you told me a little bit about your hatred of the Boston Red Sox. And what I find interesting is that for the most part, between, let's say, the early 80s and late 90s, that rivalry was kind of stale, mainly because neither of the two teams were really good at the same time, at least until like 98, 99. Yeah. Is the Red Sox hatred just like a birthright in your house as a Yankee fan? Or did something happen when they started facing each other in the playoffs that fueled it? You know, I'm going to be totally honest. I knew that, you know, that's the team we don't like. Um and but it was really I was actually doing a show at the Goodspeed Opera House in Connecticut when do you remember in two thousand four when <laughs> all too well <laughs> all too well Patty <laughs> I don't even have to finish the sentence when the Yankees blew such a massive series lead yes um, I was in Connecticut and I was in like mid Connecticut and that is Red Sox country and that was when I was like oh my god like that's when it really sort of grew but then actually the, my next boyfriend after that he was a Red Sox fan and a Patriots fan and the boyfriend after that so I think maybe it was fueled by the fact that those relationships obviously didn't work out and I probably was like never again I mean like <laughs> It was a really, it was real. It was like a real, I've never thought of that before, but now I'm like, oh, I wonder if that, if that had something to do with it. I, I got mad that, you know, it was like that they, they, they broke the curse and then the, the, my relationships were cursed instead. And then I was like, never again. I can't, I can't do it. I can't date. No, I can't date a a (laughs) Patriots fan, a Red Sox, just done. Nope. (laughs) Fair, fair enough. Yeah. Now I have to know who's like, I mean, it's, I, I was, 
gonna ask you what's your favorite game you've ever been to. I can, it's hard to see you not answering that question with the game that you actually got to sing the anthem in. But do you have like a, a night at the stadium or a player that you saw that you really took a liking to that stands out either from your childhood or in recent years here in the city? Yeah, I actually, when I first got to the city, I was a temp at AIG, you know, the big insurance court. Between auditions, I was going and doing office work and reception and stuff. And I um, I filled in for like eight weeks as an, like an executive assistant to one of the kind of a higher up. And as a thank you, he gave me, you know, the company, the, the tickets to the Yankees game. It was like, you know, four seats. And we were I mean, it was like second row, like period, right behind the dugout. I think John Madden was sitting in front of us. Like it was, it was the closest I had ever been to. And of course that was, in, you know, Derek Jeter was still playing. And I was like, I can literally, like, I think I took like six pictures of his butt. Um, <laughs> and I didn't even have to zoom. Like it was like, it, that was just like, oh, this is how, this is how the the really fancy people live. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, and so I, I can't, I could never forget that game because after I, I actually like sitting high up, you know, on the first baseline, I really, I think it's just a great view of everything. And, but then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I see why these are good seats too. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty special. That was pretty great. Oh, that is a great memory. And, you know, as a kid, were you catching as many Broadway shows as you were Yankee games? Cause I know you grew up in Hopewell Junction, not too far from Manhattan. So I'm sure you had pretty close access to both. We did actually, yeah. I I'm try- I probably went to a Yankee game before a Broadway show. My first Broadway show was when I was six. It was Cats. Somehow I wanted to keep going back for more, um, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds terrible. I mean, uh, there's a place in my heart for Cats for sure. Um, but yeah, my my dad is both a huge sports fan and a huge Broadway fan. And my mom, you know, she's not as big of a sports fan, but she she loved. I have two older siblings and one younger sibling. But for ten years, it was just the three of us kids, and so you know, big family outings and stuff. That was kind of our thing. And so whether it was to a Broadway show or whether it was to, um, you know, a, a, a baseball game, it was just, it was always, it was always like a very, um, a really fun sort of family, family time, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I, I have to ask my mom or my dad, but I, I would say I probably went to a Yankee game before a Broadway show. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I think it, it was the same for me, but it was within a few months of each other. I think the first Yankee game was 96 mm-hmm. and the first Broadway show was 97. So, yeah, it all kind of happens around the same time. I was that, uh, six years old when I saw my first Broadway show. So, what yeah, was it? Yeah. Uh, Once Upon a Mattress with Sarah <gasps> Jessica Parker. Oh, see, that's a good one. I know. I, I mean, I didn't mean to trump cats there so easily, but <laughs> that, that memorable night. It's, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, I, I saw the revival of cats, you know, because I was six when I saw cats. Like, I, I remember having the double cassette and like listening to like Barry Manilow sing a cover of Memory in the car with my mom. And like, and so when it, when it was being, when it was revived, I was like, I, I have to go see it. Like, this is, and like the lights went down and that opening music started and I started to get teary eyed because I was like, this is like the, the, where it all started. And like two minutes later, I was like, what the hell is going on up there? <laughs> 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 and I went with my friend, uh, my friend, Andrew Rannells. Um, he, he had never seen cats. So he, and about halfway through, he leaned over and he goes, so it's like a cat talent show. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is. And I went to see the cats movie in the theater, um, with a couple of friends of mine. I made my husband watch it when it came out on, you know, on demand. <laughs> I don't know. I have something, I just, I have something in my, my heart for, for, cats you know i mean <laughs> after that initial shock of like they're literally doing jazz runs in a circle like cats are um i, I really it just it, it it was just it was it's just so special you know because it's like oh that was the that i think my second broadway show was starlight express so <laughs> i started out with like the the heavy hitters <laughs> Well, it's so much better. I mean, you could have very easily have said, well, you know, the first show was Les Mis and this is how I fell in love with it. But no, you went to Cats and Starlight Express, kind of the opposite side of the ball. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. 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 And then we started, you know, the Les Mis, the Phantom of the Opera, the Secret Garden was the one actually that really, that was because I saw that after I did my, my very first show. It was in sixth grade and I did... Cinderella, um, and I played a mouse because our sixth grade, it was this weird convergence of like six different elementary schools just for sixth grade. And so there was 150 children in this, in this musical. (laughs) So I was, they obviously had to think of a lot of parts. And so I was a mouse. I was one of 22 mice. Um, (laughs) and inexplicably we sang the Shoop Shoop song, you know, the, does he love me? I want to know. I don't know. 
I don't know, but that, but I was, that was my first doing a show. And right after that was when I, I believe the year after that was when I went to see The Secret Garden on Broadway. And it was the first time I had seen someone my age on stage. And I was like, oh, wow, I could, I could maybe like do that. Um, and it, it's especially, especially meaningful because Frozen was in the St. James Theater and that's where The Secret Garden was. So I could literally stand on stage at the St. James and like see where the area where the, the area where I was sitting and be like that. That's just it's it's like bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's something so nostalgic about it. I mean, it was the same for my dad when we used to go to Yankee games, for example, the same box that Derek Jeter was in was where Mattingly was and Thurman Munson was and Bobby Mercer, all the guys that came before. And it really, it, and I think that that's why there's such a bond with baseball and Broadway, just the history of it. And, you know, for you on a personal level like that, you know, having seen a show like that, let me ask you, were you good like in high, as early as high school? Cause you must've been, you end up going to Syracuse. When did you, re- it's one thing to say, Oh, I want, I want to be shortstop for the Yankees. I want to be on Broadway, but you have to have the talent to back it up. When did you realize you were good enough? Um, you know, I had been in dance since I was like three, you know, when everyone kind of puts their kids in dance to see if they like it. And so I, I knew, and we knew that I was, I was, I was more than willing to get up on a stage and smile and dance in front of people, you know? Um, and then I, I just, I, tried out for the junior high school play, you know, the next year after my just amazing performance in Cinderella. And, and I got in and I was only one of like two seventh graders to get in the play and everyone else was eighth graders, you know? And so that kind of kept happening. Ninth grade, it was the same thing with the first play. I was, I was the only freshman to get it. Like, so, so I think I, I at least knew things were were going well, you know, in terms of like what I was doing and where, what kind of roles I was getting or, um, and, and singing, I don't know. I just decided I could sing. It's very strange. Um, but I, I think to this day, I think back and I'm like, I think it's because I started playing the clarinet when I was in fifth grade. And I think that that gave me such an innate sense of musicality and, you know, sight reading, understanding music in general, reading music. And also, you know, like my, my dad was, he, he's a huge music fan, huge. He used to be a a DJ for an, an oldies radio station on like Saturday mornings growing up. So I grew up with music and going to see, I think it all just sort of like whatever natural sort of talent was, was in me. I, I just did all the right things to kind of let it, you know, let it come out. Um, yeah, and that I, I I guess I guess probably I guess probably high school was when I was like, yeah, this is really this is something I could do. And by like junior year, I was like, this is really something I want to do. And there's nothing else I want to do. <laughs> I didn't have a backup plan. I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? On the other side of that, too, I think you know to make a big decision like that, you know, at sixteen, seventeen years old, really speaks a lot to your maturity. But on the other side of that, you know, you go, you end up going to Syracuse, one of the best musical theater programs in the entire country. For a lot of ball players, let's say, you know, once they're no longer the big fish in a small pond, they crumble. I feel like to come out of a program like that as a big prospect who's going to make it in a tough industry, if you're not already wired with a competitive edge, it's something you need to develop in order to be successful. Did you always have that competitive nature or is it something that you had to work on once you got to Syracuse? Um, no, I was always pretty competitive with like everything. I mean, mostly it's actually why I got, I was very, I got very good grades in high school. I was very, I was very smart. Um, because my boyfriend from all through all of high school was like super smart, like super smart, you know? And I just never wanted him to be smarter than me. He, he, I mean, he really sort of was, um, but that, that really just kept, I think that that kept me going, that fueled me, you know? And like, it was never a problem for our relationship. It was really just me being like, I want to get better, better grade on this English test than him. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was like, and I think I, um, I'm the kind of person where if I prove to be, if, if I try something and I'm like, oh, I'm actually pretty good at that. That gets me going. Like, that's like, okay, now I'm going to do it all the time and I'm going to be the best at it. You know, um, it was kind of, the, I ran track in high school actually. And, um, and I, I just, it was never a team sport person and track. I was like, great. I was like, it's just me. If I do something terrible, I'm not really going to affect the whole team. But then, and I started doing the hurdles, the hundred meter hurdles. And by my sophomore year, I was like, I'm actually kind of good at these. And that was like, okay, now I, now I've, it's like, I got the okay to try. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that it's that, that I, I've always kind of had a, a drive in me. 
I mean, you certainly need that in this industry. And, you know, obviously you're always going up against a lot of tough competition. I mean, that's what I guess that's what's going to happen when you're a lead on Broadway. You know, you're going to be facing the best of the best. You know, you had done quite a bit of regional and touring work out of college, you know, prior to your Broadway debut. I'm always curious about this with performers. When you're on the road, are you doing a lot of auditioning for the shows in New York, be it on tape or, you know, popping into the city for something big? Or do you just stay on you just stay focused on the show at hand is seasoning of sorts for Broadway. If it is a good enough opportunity, you either put yourself on tape, you, um, you know, sometimes you, you, you fly back, you know, if you get a call back or something, I believe one of the, one of the swings in, in frozen, she was out, she was doing a, um, doing a show out of town when she got like the call to come in and be like a last, you know, a replacement. And she flew in and we were like, Oh, She's not going to get it. That never works out. And she got it. Like she was like the one as shining example. Because usually when you fly in from somewhere else and like pay on your own dime, it's like, well, it never works. <laughs> <laughs> but like she, she flew herself in and got the part. And it was like, that, that's, that's like, you know, the success story. Um, it's, and I think now it's, now it's going to be a lot easier because everything has been by tape for the last year and a half. And so I think that is going to open up a little bit more, um, you know, opportunity at least to get seen for the first time at all, rather than missing an initial audition and everything that comes after it. Um, so, so yeah, so that'll be interesting, but there's, there, there were times when I was in doing non-equity theater in Florida, non-union theater, when I first graduated, that I actually flew myself back because I had a, a callback for Mamma Mia on Broadway. And I was like, well, obviously, I'm going to get myself there. <laughs> so kind of, you know, you kind of, you kind of weigh, is, it, is the flight worth it? Do I have time, you know? Um, and then kind of go from there. Now, where were you when you got the call about Xanadu, where you may or may not have been asked to roller skate? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It was, that was like an epic audition process. Cause it was like, you know, singing and acting and a dance combination, like two different dance combinations and then roller skating. You're like, Oh my goodness. And I had roller skated, you know, like when I was younger, but I hadn't roller skated in like 12, 14 years. Um, and, and it was, you know, I'm trying to think, I don't even know if I actually had to roller skate. I can't remember. I don't know because I also remember my Little Mermaid audition where we had to uh, we had to do Heelys, you know, um, and I get them very mixed up in my mind, even though they're two completely different types of shoes. Um, but I, I just I remember because I I was the I started out as a swing for Xanadu, and I came into rehearsal about two weeks later than everybody else, um, and they had already had all their roller skating camp, and I was like, cool. <laughs> so I had like these private lessons with this like roller skating dude down in like the East Village. It's like honestly looking back, I'm like, that was really kind of sketchy. Um, <laughs> but he was like one of those guys, you know what I mean? He'd been like a like a like a boogie skater for his whole life. Um and so so yeah, so that was like, but then but then you know it, it all came came back very quickly. It came back quickly for sure. But I still remember being in the wings my very first night on, it was because I was a swing. And so um, somebody unfortunately got hurt and had to call out. And it was, I had like two hours to get ready for the show. And I remember and I had rehearsals. I had, you know, like, and, and I <laughs> remember standing in the wings after I changed into my finale costume with the roller skates and being like, I don't have to do this. I could just not do this. Like I was terrified. I was terrified, terrified. Um, and and that you know that the terror didn't really go away for for a few weeks months you know, um, but but it was it 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 just it it all just kind of happened and now I I still have my roller skates and I, I put them on every so often and it's like ah oh, it just doesn't go away that skill doesn't go away I can roller skate now like really well. <laughs> <laughs> You certainly have a lot of talent, Patty, and uh, you know you've accomplished so much on stage since Xanadu, but. Uh, I have to tell you, now it might get a little tough for you here on Breaking Bad. Okay. All right. So I want you to picture yourself in the batter's box here or maybe coming off the field for the seventh inning stretch. Usually when they sing, uh, I guess that's usually God Bless America time, seventh inning take stretch. Take me out to the ball game, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, take me out <laughs> to the ball game, exactly. You know, an opportunity for you to stay loose as a player, take some cuts in the cage. Unfortunately, since you're, you know, on the field here, you can't run up and get a hot dog and a beer, you know, for the last call. But um, <laughs> chance for you to stay on your game late innings of the episode and uh, – an opportunity to join what we call the winner's circle here on Breakabout. Are you familiar with the winner's circle, Patty? No. 
All right, so it's a very exclusive group here on Breaking Bad for the trivia elite. And oh, let's God. just all right, hear me out. Let's just say some of the questions featured in this game will honor your ties to Broadway. Okay. And maybe some of them will honor the segue between Broadway and baseball. Oh my God. Am I going to fail miserably and make a fool of myself? I purposely structured these questions to make <laughs> it not that difficult at all. Because as, as I promised you, you know, we do a couple things here at the baseball backdrop. But, you know, since you don't pay attention to the first half, I, I feel like I have to be pretty fair about this. So Thank I kept you. that in mind when I put these together. Thank you for so. respecting my process. <laughs> You're welcome. And yes, absolutely. And you know, there's a prize at stake and uh, you get enough questions, right? You win that prize. Oh my gosh, this is exciting. You're asking about oh. my competitive edge. Here we go. <laughs> yes, there let's is. do it, folks. Here it is. That's the spirit that we need to play the game. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, question one. Here's a fun one. A number of your former castmates have sung the national anthem prior to professional baseball games. However, only one of those castmates has sung it before a Brooklyn Cyclones game, which is the Mets minor league affiliate. Was that cast member Casey Levy, Whoopi Goldberg, or Carrie Butler? I'm going to say Carrie Butler. Brooklyn native Carrie Butler sang the anthem for the Brooklyn Cyclones opening night of the 2003 season at what used to be Keyspan Park, a game I was actually at with my dad, who was also a Brooklyn native, and that is the correct answer. Yay, I did it! One for one. <laughs> Woo, okay, all right. Real oh, baseball trivia right there, that's right? That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's, a, uh, here's an interesting one. Um, your fellow Anna, Kristen Bell, has two Broadway credits to her name. Her Broadway debut came in which of the following shows? A, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, B, Hairspray, or C, Good Vibrations? The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. She's two for two. Wow, she is really getting too close to the prize, and it makes me question whether or not I should have made these questions harder. <laughs> All right, don't get too you know cocky right now, Patty, because okay. here's oh. a pure baseball question for you. Oh, God, okay. Question okay. three. A three, if you go three for three, you're having a great night. So, Derek Jeter played in a total of seven World Series for the New York Yankees. Against which of the following opponents did he win the World Series Most Valuable Player Award? Was it A, the Philadelphia Phillies, B, the New York Mets, or C, the Arizona Diamondbacks? Ooh. Huh. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say the Mets. Holy cow! Ding, ding, ding! Yay! With Derek Jeter's nine for twenty-two performance, which gives you a four hundred nine batting average and two home runs, he did win the World Series MVP in the two thousand Subway Series. Patty obviously remembers it quite well, being a New York native. I do. Wow. I also, I also remember um, them. Didn't because didn't they lose the World Series in two thousand one to the Diamondbacks? They did. So you ruled that out. You did cross elimination. I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> And I, Brilliant. Remember, I remember Subway Series being like, oh, right, that was a special one. That wasn't just like them playing each other in July. Yes. And of course, one of Broadway's biggest stars rose to the occasion in The Captain. And uh, yes, you are three for three. And Yay! I think if you get this next one right, I think that we just have to give you the prize. So <laughs> I really hope you knock this out of the park. Oh, my God, I'm so nervous. <laughs> it's a true baseball and Broadway crossover uh, question. Okay. It's kind of interesting. Um, and Kat's been encouraged me to ask this tonight. Uh, Yankees all-star closer Araldus Chapman attended his first musical in the summer of 2019, not long after Break of Bats started. He went backstage, took photos with the cast. Uh, he also spent much of the night filming the performance from his iPhone, not caring that you're not supposed to do that in the theater. Was that performance A, Frozen, B, Beetlejuice, or C, Rock of Ages. It was frozen. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, no, he did no. not come. He did not come and see you in Frozen, as cool as it would have been if he did. Wait, who he did, did what, what did he It was go Rock see? of Ages. He no. went to Rock of Ages and sat there and filmed oh. the show like, and put it on Instagram. Like, you're not supposed to do that. No way. Wait, so who, because someone who came to see our show, someone came to see Frozen in 2019. No, I don't Wait. remember. 
was, was it Chapman? Did Chapman actually come and we're unaware of this? I don't think so. I don't did know. He bring, did, th- did this player have a translator with them? Because if so, it might have been Chapman. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Are you serious? Does he have kids? Yes. I feel like perhaps. It was this, very exciting for me. I was like, I love the Yankees. <laughs> wait, did, was he all tatted up, like like up to his neck? Because I really wonder if this was Chapman. I don't remember. He was kind of soft-spoken. Ah, that's really not Chapman. I okay, mean, he throws yeah. 100 miles an hour at people's heads. So I don't think <laughs> that he's the most soft-spoken. Now he's I'm a bit violent. I have to find out, and I'll, I'll, I will absolutely let you know, because now it's going to drive me nuts. I feel like I should just give you the prize, but I do want to see you have a four-hit night because okay. I just think it would be so epic. Okay. Oh, darn it. All right. That's all right. You're, you're very close. <sighs> you're part of a great lineage when it comes to the Disney on Broadway franchise, okay? Which of the following performers is not in that lineage? Is it A, Sherry Renee Scott, B, Santino Fontana, or is it C, Terrence Mann. I want to say Sherry Renee Scott. Sherry was in Aida. And that's okay. That's okay. A lot lot of people get confused because Santino Fontina was in uh, Santino Fontina. Santino Fontana was in Cinderella, Rogers, and Hammerstein. Oh, Um, right. Yeah. Wait, but wait. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Nope. I'm disappointed in myself, but he was also, but here's the thing. He was in Frozen. He was the voice of Hans in Frozen. So, so that's stripped up in my, that was like a trick a little bit, but it's okay. It was, it was a fair trick, you know, a bit of a trick question. You're mm-hmm. right. And I feel bad about that. I that's think okay. that this next question though, I, I just have a feeling you're just kind of going to crush <laughs> it. Obviously. Um, who was the last captain of the New York Yankees? Was it a Johnny Damon? B, Hideki Matsui, or C, Derek Jeter? Derek Jeter. Ding, ding, ding. You are in the winner's circle. Congratulations. You got the really tough questions right, which I think is just actually kind of amazing. I would have just kept making you ask me questions until I got enough. (laughs) (laughs) I say enough of them, right? Is it three of those isn't enough? I keep pouring it out. Let's see how we do on this one. The fact that you got Derek Jeter's World Series MVP performance is actually pretty amazing. I'm kind of impressed with myself with that one, only because I also remembered the who like that they lost the next year and to like that was like oh wow to yep. the Diamondbacks and we do have to we, you might have really won because Chapman very well could have been at uh, Frozen so we're gonna you're gonna find out about that from yeah. Patty. And I am going to show you uh, a picture of your prize because someone decided to stay back at the families on Long Island for a couple of days after Memorial Day. Might have left the prize in the city, but <laughs> this is your very own Chapman on Broadway. I don't know if you could see uh, the phone here. Chap- Break a bat, long sleeve T-shirt. I love proud- that. Oh, thank I, you. Oh, I love that so much. You're welcome. We might have to. I, 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 we have to start getting like the kid sizes now. You know, you could give one to your daughter too. You know, in case she ever oh, wants yeah. one. We, you know, we literally. She has, I think, more Star Wars clothing than like any child in the world ever should. Yeah. So wait, who's the Star Wars geek, mom or dad? Um, both, both. You know, we're we're like we're like casual geeks, but we also just watched The Mandalorian. Um, well, you know, a, a kind of a few months after she was born and like, I knew the whole thing with baby Yoda and all that. But the thing is, is that I, what I don't think people who don't have children realize is that they modeled that baby Yoda off of like a truly, truly a baby. And so I was watching it as a new mom and this baby Yoda is literally doing the same things that my baby, I, I sobbed through every episode. And of course now she has like a bath towel and a hoodie and like three pairs of Mandalorian pants. And so it really kind of reached a fever pitch after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what though? Hey, in all fairness, Star Wars is now owned by Disney and she's following in her mother's footsteps as a Disney fan from birth, right? Yep. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And this summer, this will be the first, um, this will be the first, because she was born in the middle in July of last summer, but now she's at a point where it's like, oh, now she gets to put on her first, her first Yankees, uh, Yankees gear. Um, My husband is a, he's from St. Louis, so he's a Cardinals fan, which I think honestly is kind of the best case scenario. They very rarely meet, you know, and like, I'm a, I'm a, I admire the Cardinals very much. And so it's like, okay, great. Um, 
but like you better believe that I'm gonna get her in Yankee stuff before he gets <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. It's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, you have the geographical advantage because you know you're raising her in New York. So I yep. feel like, you know, you don't don't do the kid a disservice, Patty. I mean, it's I mean, again, I love the Cardinals too, but what's cool about that is you know, some people have an American League team and a National League team. Mm-hmm. So you can, she can root for the Cardinals and the Yankees. So that's exactly. That's but she'll like the Yankees better. Damn right. <laughs> and she'll also wear the Yankees colors. I'm not really a massive fan of pink sportswear, but like if she wants to wear, you know, when she gets old enough and wants to make her own decisions. But after five years old, I'm like, nope. If you want to represent the Yankees, you're going to wear the pinstripes. Yep. <laughs> wearing the pinstripes or the navy blue. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, not that I've ever really dabbled in the pink attire, but yeah. um, no, I mean, for me, it's the traditional all the yep. way. Yep. Absolutely. You have to do it. Absolutely. You know, I mentioned your love of Disney, having even, you know, having grown up loving the franchise. And, you know, we got the unfortunate news during this pandemic that frozen closed. I'm curious, have you had a chance to look back? and reflect on how much life changed after doing a show like that for as long as you did? Oh my gosh. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of nuts because Casey and I, our last show was three weeks before everything shut down and I was pregnant with Cecily. And so that, you know, that was, it was time to go. Um, but I think about it now and I'm like, I literally went from like starring in a Broadway show, like catapulted almost directly into like being a mother in a, in a global pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it's, I, I think, I think back, like, I mean, so every single day, you know, every hour about Frozen and my, 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 some of my best friends are, are, are from that show now. Um, and it, it really changed my life. I mean, and I, I don't, it's kind of yet to see if it's going to change my career because normally a show like that in the normal world, you, that a role like that would catapult you into the next thing, you know, and you'd have some options, but I already knew that that wasn't really going to happen because I was pregnant, but like now everything just stalled out, you know? And so it's sort of like, I don't really know what, what is, what my career is going to look like right now. Um, but I, it's also the kind of show and the kind of role that I, and I still feel this way after, you know, 16 months of not working a lot. Like if someone was like, that's going to be your last time on Broadway, I'd be like, I, I feel incredibly fulfilled by that. By the, I did everything that I could have ever wanted to, you know, performed on the the talk shows, the morning shows, the Tonys, like I got my, my, you know, entire family and all my friends got to come and see it multiple times. And so, and just like the, the character of Anna is just so like, it's, it was so satisfying to me. And so, and I feel like that was one of those, it was sort of like, like a Glinda from Wicked in a way. It's like, it just, it showed me that I can do so much more than I ever thought I was capable of and like, you know, and do it happily. So you know, it's, it's, it was, it was a major gift, major gift. Um, and it's, you know, it sounds super cheesy to be like, you know, like it's, it's just, it's the friends you meet along the way, but it really is, you know, even if it doesn't change my career, even if it's, you know, I like don't all of a sudden get my own TV show or anything like that. It's really, it's the people, it's the people that made it such a special experience. You know, I give you a lot of credit because you know, one thing that came to light during your time at Frozen, you know, were some of the things that you were dealing with off the field, so to speak. Um, and you always did such a great job of using your platform in a way to talk about things that a lot of people weren't necessarily comfortable talking about. And you still went out there and played like a champion on the stage, so to speak. <laughs> was How challenging was that for you? And how much satisfaction do you feel knowing that you accomplished what you did, you know, on so many different fronts as a performer? It it really, it adds so much more. It just shows that there's so much more to just going on stage for two hours every night and doing a show and being applauded for it, you know, because with, with a a show, a role like that in a show like that, you really, you do have sort of a natural, immediate, larger audience. And mental health is something that I, you know, I've struggled with, dealt with since looking back now, gosh, probably since I was at least 10 years, like 10 years old. Um, but knowingly since college. And so the, the, the fact that the, the fact that me talking about it publicly would actually affect other people's lives, that became very clear very quickly. And I was like, oh, okay, this is what this is what this is kind of 
about, you know? Um, and it was like, it, it was, and I, I really think after this last year and a half too, I think it's going it, it, to, it's, it's getting much more attention, you know? Um, because people who had never thought about, you know, th- thought they were ever depressed or anxious all of a sudden when thrown into like what, whatever the heck we, we got thrown into, they were experiencing things they'd never experienced before. And, um, and it's, it, 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 everyone asks me like, how did it, how was it? Like, were you okay? And all that being like pregnant in a pandemic and like with your mental health. And honestly, I say like, it was the one, it was one time that I could be like, I can help. I know what this is like, you know, for people who are just starting to experience it. And, and it finally, after like years of asking other people for help, it finally felt like I could be the helper, you know, and I could like, and, and it's, it's, it's weird because like, I'm an actor. Like I'm used to being unemployed, <laughs> not for like this long. But it, it was it was sort of one of those like perfect storms of like I know what it's like to be unemployed. I know what it's like to you know not know what your brain is doing from one moment to the next. And so it was really sort of, um, it was it was a a continuation of sort of what I had started with Frozen, and just in terms of saying something out loud and having other people hear it and feel seen or validated. And and. and- just speaks so much to your character. You know, like I said, the way you use your platform for the folks at home, you should really check out uh, Patty's writing and, you know, some of the stuff that you post on Twitter, I really think is uh, really inspiration people. And it's just like a little pick me up in these crazy times. And um, I, I, it's, it's great to see that performers like you are using your platform that the, the way you do. So Thank props you. to you. It's yeah, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you're like, it's, it's kind of a responsibility that I feel like comes with my specific, you know, journey through this world. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I, I personally feel like it's, it's probably not everyone's, you know, everyone, a lot of performers and I know athletes, you know, they, they like to sort of lay low and be very private and, and whatnot. But I've just had a problem all the time with like keeping my mouth closed and like, <laughs> like I'm the kind of person, if you're like, how are you? I'm like, well, I'm good. I was better this morning. You know, I will do that. I won't just be like, I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> You're a New Yorker. I mean, that's in your DNA. And I think it's also because I, I really try to find the humor in everything. And 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 a lot of these things that are are sort of darker or more things like that people don't talk about, there's a there's a lot of levity to be found in it, you know? Um, I found that with motherhood and with like, you know, like <laughs> the ridiculous things that you're like, what is my life right now? Like <laughs> I, I just I find that that it, it's 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 so important to to be like, this is so normal, you know, this is so normal and like there is nothing remotely perfect or like glamorous or fancy about the vast majority of the the athletes performers singers that that you idolize you know what i mean unless you're beyonce like that's it <laughs> she's probably fancy all the time but like it, there's just you know i mean i'm literally in a tie-dyed t-shirt that my friend sarah made me in sweatpants and like it's just <laughs> like that's I, pretty epic i know it's like i got i got to shower today that's a win small victories like i said i ate ate a six-piece mcnugget meal from mcdonald's at 11 a.m this morning so that's where (laughs) that's where my day started damn you started on a high note wow (laughs) oh that sounds absolutely delicious (laughs) it was pretty great it was really great yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh patty you are you are a true broadway great in every sense of the term and uh you know like i said before you know we like to celebrate your work on this show, but now it's about to get tough again. I swear it's not a trivia game, but I want you to, you know, Fighting. in the spirit of our game, okay. or in the spirit of our show, picture yourself uh, back in the batter's box here. This segment is called Fastball Derby. The diehard Frozen fan, Araldus Chapman, might be on the mound throwing 105 miles an hour. And uh, in this case, I'm Araldus Chapman, less the tattoos on my neck. Uh, I, I don't have any, as you can probably see. <laughs> but uh, um, I'm gonna, you got to think quick because he's throwing really fast. Um, I ask you a question. You tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. And since you're a really great storyteller, feel free to sprinkle some of those in there, too. Okay. You ready? Yes. All right. Batter up. Fastball Derby. Favorite New York City meal? Ooh, oh, oh man. Oh, like 17 of them just went through my mind. I mean, um, there's this great place called 
called Kashkaval on like 56th and 9th, I think. And it's like a Mediterranean restaurant, but they have fondue. <laughs> and it's the first restaurant that I had been to many years ago. I mean, like 10, 12, 14 years ago. Um, and it's like this little dark, cozy place. And you just go with your buddies and it's small and you sit and you have fondue and like great like and great wine and that's that's something that I've been thinking about especially you know because we I haven't been to a New York City restaurant in a very long time um that's like what I'm like oh that's what I want my first my first meal to be you know is that one with my with my friends great answer yeah you have to binge watch full house or the Brady Bunch which are you binging full house I could like quote every episode Go the Brady Bunch is great, but you know, like Full House is like that's like my generation. <laughs> Hell yeah! No, if you if you talk about loving Disney, you got to watch uh, Big Shot on Disney Plus. It's Uncle Jesse as a high school basketball coach at a a girls like prep school. It's hilarious. I saw. I heard it's very very good. I feel like yeah. I I have a, a friend actually who who works with John Stamos, and he was t- telling us about it, and I was like, yeah, I I remember that 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 that's on it's on my list. It's on my list. It's a good one. <laughs> Rank these three songs. Help Me Rhonda, California Girls, and Good Vibrations. <laughs> Notice a <the> theme? <laughs> I think Good Vibrations has to be number one. Fair. Rolling Stone ranked it as the sixth greatest song of all time. Not wow. Chill the Beach Boys, but yeah. I guess California Girls would probably be second and Help Me Rhonda would be third. Although, oh, that's kind of a tough one. That's kind of tough. Um, no, I'm going to go with Rhonda second, California girls third. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I just, what is the, what, what is the, is it a movie that someone's singing good vibrations? They just keep doing the key changes over and over and over again, trying to demonstrate like what it, <laughs> I remember it in the opening yeah, scene yeah, of yeah, Vegas yeah, vacation. Yeah. Yeah, that- maybe that's, maybe that's what I'm thinking about. It's, it's just one of those songs that when I think about it, I just think of like, you know, those like just completely absurd <laughs> like <laughs> just in the middle of it and i'm like that's a good song that's a good song wait what did they say what was number their number one best song ever well i think rolling stone if i recall they put good vibrations as their greatest and then like throughout the rest of the list the ones that stand out from like the top 100 they had god only knows in there oh, they had i mean that's like the best song in the world that is the yeah. best song in the world yeah I know you're a Beach Boys fan. This is pretty awesome. It's again, the dad. And also, do you remember the Full House episode where Jesse played with the Beach Boys? Yeah, they did forever. What Carl Wilson's last performances. That's right. Yeah. And they did. They And there was the one where Uncle Jesse played the drums. And there was the one where uh, what's his face came on the telethon. Oh, yeah. They were Mike they, Love. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, see, I know my full house because that's right. Because um, John Stamos, he used to he used to be in the band, right? He used to like play the drums for them or something. Or still touring with them this summer. Really? Yeah, I checked to see if they have a New York show coming up. I don't think they do oh. at least the next couple months. But yeah, that he's still out there with them. That's amazing. Okay, yeah. See, so I just yep. Beach Boys, Full House crossover. Who would have thought? <laughs> yep. But listen, that's how it started with me too. That and the parents, like you said. Yep. Yep. Okay, here's an interesting one. Favorite song you've gotten to perform on Broadway? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, gosh. I kind of have two answers for this one. Um, one of them is um, For the First Time in Forever from Frozen. It, it's just it, it, it's just such a good song, and it was such a great way for me to, like, really start off my show. Um and, you know, it's kind of like that, like it ends, you're like belting, like downstage center and everyone on the cast is on stage. And like, it's just, it's with that moment where you're like, what does it feel like to be on Broadway? Like, that's what it feels like. That's what you want it to feel like. But then this other song that I sang in Lisa Strata Jones uh, called Where Am I Now? That is like, I, I listened to it and I'm like, how in God's name did I ever belt like that? Because I probably never will again. Um, but it was end of act one, closer, another, just a, just a, power ballad and just belting so high and there's this amazing key change in it and that was like a song that every night I'd be like hey good job you know like when I get through it I'd be like great good work talent (laughs) (laughs) can I give you one that you didn't do on Broadway but I wish you did yes and I'm curious if you remember it 2008 Tony Awards preview concert 
you and the cast of Xanadu saying "Do ya?" And I the way that. you did it, yeah, it was it was just like one of the coolest things I've ever watched as a Broadway fan. I mentioned how like Catherine remembers back in high school how much I love Xanadu. I think yeah. that song is a huge reason why. That and it wasn't on, it wasn't in the show. Isn't that funny? How they, because they really were having a hard time finding a standalone song because everything that that involved everyone was kind of wonky or plot related. It was just weird. You know what I mean? And so they were like, for this one, we're just going to pick a different yellow song. And that's it. And they did. And it was so fun. And it went, I think it went over so well, like so well. Yeah. I remember that. Cause that was at, uh, um, at uh, in Columbia, Time Warner Center, like overlooking the, you know, the park and the beautiful, oh, it was, yeah, it was, it was great. If you have a high quality version of it, can you send it to me? Because the one on YouTube is all grainy. I've been dying to get the yeah, HQ look, yeah. version. <laughs> I love that. That's like, and you picked your other choices were pretty damn great too. But yeah, that, I, I wanted to ask you about that one because that, that's like taking me back now. Oh, wait, I was a senior yeah. in high school. I remember that night. Yep. All right. Now, here's a fun one. Most embarrassing moment on set or on stage? Oh, God. Um, I mean, on stage, it's like, I, it's like pick one. Um, probably, I, I would have to say, it's, it's very hard to embarrass me. That's the thing. Very hard. Because, again, I really am a huge, a huge believer in if no one is physically hurt or, like, really, truly emotionally damaged, you have to laugh at it. You just have to. You know what I mean? It's You won't survive life if you don't laugh at the things that can be laughed at. Then in the fourth preview of Frozen, so my, um, you know, Love is an Open Door is, is, is this great song that I, I um, Anna and Hans sing, and John Riddle was the original Hans. And it was the fourth preview, and we, I had that, my coronation gown on. And so, the that dress was like 12 or 13 pounds. Like it was so heavy and so huge. <laughs> and literally at, at the very end, the very last like line of the song, John had me like he had me up in a lift and he went to put me down, but my shoe was caught in the back of his jacket and he couldn't put me down. And I obviously was not going to like let go. And he, so he just like sort of like rolled with me to the ground. And we literally, we literally buttoned the number on our butts, like center stage, just like wrapped up in like dress and like, you know, it, it was, it was insane. I actually, <laughs> I actually made them <laughs> show me the clip of it afterwards. <laughs> and I was like, it's just hilarious. Cause I do this like screech thing where I'm like, love's an open. Ah! And, it's like, ah! <laughs> and I'm literally like facing like upstage, but I turn around and like throw my arm out and be like buttoning. <laughs> And you get off stage and everyone's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, I am so fine. I'm like totally <laughs> fine. Like, are they okay? Like, did they, that, that's what they just paid money to see. <laughs> so, and and that wasn't the only time it happened too. I mean, we we didn't, I fell once also with Joe Carroll, who was the, the Hans for the second year. But like, it just, it was a forever a battle with that dress of like getting feet caught in things and, you know, picking up the skirt. It, it was just... You know, I, I feel like I finally won won the war with the the coronation gown, um, and it was my favorite costume to wear. But like, yeah, it was it was a rough it was a it was a rough ride to get there. <laughs> Absolutely, what a story! What a story! The behind the scenes of Disney, the, or what do they call that? They call it backstage when you go to the yep. parks. It's yep. just like wow, mm -hmm. all but only on break of that, folks. Yep. Um, <laughs> speaking of Disney, your favorite Muppet? <gasps> oh God! I mean. Oh, this is so... You know what? I've actually never thought about this before. Probably because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Um, favorite Muppet. Can I pick oh, you all think the you're Muppet gonna, babies? Uh, all the, okay, yeah, that's fair. That's no, fair. it's not really fair. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't say Miss Piggy. I just... She just is who she is, you know? And she, like, just she doesn't care you know she's a good role model because she's just like i am who i am and like you will treat me the way i deserve to be treated so yeah probably probably miss piggy fact about patting urine that would surprise people the most Ooh, Ooh, my goodness let's see not that <laughs> <laughs> like that wouldn't surprise anybody um hmm Well, I mean, oh, well, ooh. this is hard. 
you're going to take out a lot of this dead air. (laughs) 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 Um, I feel like the fact that I am such a huge sports fan is actually surprising to people a lot. A lot. Especially because, you know, it's like I play princesses and stuff. And I, you know, I am like kind of a, a, a girlier girl. But I, I think like, I think the fact that I like it so much is surprising. I, I'm in a fantasy football league with, um, we started the first year of Frozen. And it's literally like, like nine guys and me. And it's like some, a couple of cast members, um, mostly crew. But it's like that, that's, that, that's, that's where where I love, you know, I love fantasy football. I love sports. We also have a, a NASCAR pool that we do every single week. It's like me and like nine crew members from Frozen. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I grew up in a NASCAR household. And so I know a lot about NASCAR as well. Yeah. That's, that's pretty. Yeah. That's, I guess that's a good one. Yeah. I know a lot about NASCAR. <laughs> wow. Oh, I'm going to have to hit you up for some uh, inside tips there. I was going to say, if you ever end up having, you know, a fantasy baseball league, I could probably help you a little bit with that, but I know nothing about football. So seriously, I'm going to have to start hitting you up for tips. Oh man, it's uh, this last year especially was like. But what do we do if he gets COVID and can't play? Like it was, it was, it was just a mess. It was a the whole the whole season was a mess. Um, yeah, that's that's you know they. That, I'm sure because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm a sports fan. You know, I like this and I like that. And it's like I love going to sporting events. I love watching them on TV. I'm never mad when there's sports on the TV in uh, you know at home. It's like, and so that that uh, that I feel like would really surprise people to know to find out the depth of my 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 love. <laughs> Hopefully we set, shed uh, some light on it here tonight. And that, that is so cool to hear, Patty. And uh, yeah. this is the one that we do to wrap every show. Um, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Ooh, um, oh my goodness. The best piece of advice anyone ever gave me. I'm pretty sure I probably wasn't listening a lot of my younger years when people tried to give me <laughs> advice. <laughs> um, you know what? Um, I think like this is sort of a, it was sort of career specific, um, but it, I think it really sort of um, applies to life in general and just being a person. Um, one of my college professors in freshman year of college, you know, when they're just like, you know, not breaking you down, but like really giving you the reality of the situation. He, he said something that has stuck with me ever since. And he said, acting's not cool. Like you'll never be cool. Like that's not you're not cool. Like you, you'll never look cool or feel cool if you're truly acting. And I was like, that is such a good point because so much of what we do, especially, you know, in that, in that, at that age, um, we always are trying to be like, oh, I'm going to look like really good while I'm acting the scene. And it's like, yeah, but then you're, you're not, it's not going to be cool. (laughs) Like, and that, that I think is a really good thing that applies to life too. It's like, if you just try to look good while you're doing everything, then you're not really doing anything. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that that first time, I don't know, it's stuck in my, it's stuck in my head and it's still there a million years later. And so I was like, yeah, that I try to kind of um, impress that upon, especially anyone of the younger generation, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, you'll never, it'll never be cool. Well, you know what? It's funny you say that Joe Torre used to tell A-Rod, don't worry about how it looks let your play do the talking. I mean, that's, I mean, and let your talent do the talking and that, and that is, I love answers like that. And see that just like, it's like the perfect segue that we could like bring the uh, closing of the show to tonight. And this is just so awesome, Patty. I can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that this, that it happened. Um, It's yeah, this is really just delightful. And well, you know what? I hope uh, the Yankees don't disappoint you too much in the second half and, you know, come playoff time, you know, Maybe, you know, it could be a Yankee Cardinal World Series. So you and uh, Colin will have to figure out, uh, you know, who your daughter's going to root for and whatnot. But (laughs) 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 it could be a really fun October. Let's just hope the Yankees turn it around. You uh, know, you know, it's I I would be okay with that because at least, you know. I, it would be a rough, it would be a rough few weeks. <laughs> I tried, I tried really hard. I tried. <laughs> oh, Patty, you're the best. And for all the folks at home who may want to connect with you on social media and everything, where's the best place for them to find you? Um, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm just at Patty Murin, which is P-A-T-T-I-M-U-R-I-N. Yeah. Beautiful. Great stuff, Patty. Thank you so much again. Thank you.
And to all the folks at home, thank you so much for listening to Break a Bat tonight. Be sure to subscribe to us, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. This is Al Malafrante signing off from the Batter's Box. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.